This is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of 2003 for Thursday, August 13th, 2020. What's up, Adam? What's going on? Had to take last week off because uh, the (laughs) state of Connecticut was wiped off the map. Yeah, that's right. Shit hit the fan. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the apocalypse. Mm. Apocalypse was now in Connecticut. Felt that way. I had a couple trees come down in my yard. I lost power for two days. You lost power for three days. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half. I think for me it was like two and a half. It was close. Yeah, it was was a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, we just, uh, you know, it's hard to do a podcast when you don't have any power. Just saying. It's tough. A little tough. I did use the time to catch up on some movies, though. I know. I know. Oh, did you see my review on, on the old letterbox? I, no, I didn't read it. Okay. I just saw it. Yeah. So um, it was uh, it was a dark and stormy night. Actually, it was just a dark night. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I ended up tracking down some Wi-Fi. My, uh, my grandparents never lost power the entire time. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but my grandparents were totally fine all week. Um, so I went over there. And I downloaded some films for later consumption, one of which was a movie called First Cow. It's directed by Kelly Reichert, mm-hmm. A24 movie, was a big festival hit earlier on in the year. I think had a theatrical window in either February or March. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pandemic just started to hit when that movie was in its initial run. So uh, A24 put it in an early uh, on-demand release. And... Um, yeah, I, I thought it would like comfort me in a moment of of no power and running water and uh Okay, okay. <laughs> it you, didn't. What? You What? You're not very observant sometimes. <laughs> Anytime you see an animal in a movie, yeah. you better expect to have a pretty fucking terrible time. <laughs> with it. I not to say that I don't enjoy some of them, but like they are the most uh crushing movies i've ever seen yeah they really are they're tough yeah they're tough yeah so i wanted to just like okay my thinking was i'm cold or i'm no sorry i'm sweaty I, i'm lighting my bedroom with a mosquito repelling candle <laughs> okay i haven't showered in two days Ugh, terrible. like i'm gonna sit back and watch this movie about fur trappers in the 1820s and i'll think to myself i'm in a bad spot but at least i'm not them and I went into it and I'm like, yeah, this is a this is a, like a tough hang of a movie. OK, people are going crazy about it. And I think it's good. Um, it is very slow and very methodical. And some people are into that kind of reminded me of all of the portrait of a lady on fire. Oh, okay. uh, um, rave reviews from last year. People movies, love that movie. Movies like that that are a little more cerebral and and methodical in that way they're kind of having a bit of an upswing that makes me happy because i yes. usually like movies like that yeah in fact i usually love movies like that which is ironic because i wasn't crazy about late uh portrait of a lady on fire although i respected it the whole and i and actually that was my same takeaway from yeah. first cow like i respect um the direction here a lot uh it, it definitely takes its time it does you know, it lingers on its shots. It really lingers. That and sounds, sound, sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, some of the <laughs> shots are, are quite compelling. Um, not much really happens on a plot level until the hour 15 mark. That's like when, you know, we finally get into the crux of the movie and what the movie's all about. The first hour, 15 minutes, I'm just sort of like, where is this going? What am I supposed to take away from it? And by the end, it's like, oh, this is kind of an allegory for capitalism. And it's, you know, it's about 
a relationship between uh, these two men. Um, and it's just like a really touching friendship that develops between the two of them. And I really enjoyed their friendship. And, uh, you know, again, I respected it. Did I love it? I didn't I didn't love it the way that everybody online seems to have loved it. <laughs> you have trouble with movies like that. Though. I do. It's just it's just the way that you are. Yeah. You know, that's OK. You know, uh, see, the thing is, I will look at movies like that. And even if it's like I didn't necessarily like love the hang, quote unquote, it's like I it, I the craft is, is what gets it for me. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, maybe I'm a sucker for that, but at times it's undeniable, even though like I, I wouldn't go back and rewatch, like call me by your name. I've since grown to think that it's like a remarkable film. Yes. Really? Honestly. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with you. I mean, that's just an incredibly directed and acted movie. Yes. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. This one I think is similar. Uh, I, I, I'm not familiar with Kelly Reichert's work. Apparently she's made like three or four masterpieces according to the internet. Um, okay. So I, I maybe need to go back and watch some of those maybe to appreciate this one more. You have to be prepared for movies like this. I think, mm. you know, they're the kind of movies where it's almost not even fair to greet it on a first viewing. Yes. They really need to simmer with you and, and ruminate. And then after, after you feel like that's kind of settled down, go back to it with that perspective that, that, that those aromas have given you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only aroma I was smelling was my own sweat and the mosquito <laughs> repelling candle. Well, that's not the movie's fault. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is. I Man, I was just naked in my bed, just <laughs> flop sweating, watching this movie about fucking fur trappers uh, making cakes. So in no, it's, not really, it's not about animals, really. Or is it? Okay, so how do I even describe the plot of this movie? So there's this guy who's like a fur trapper, okay. and it's during the gold rush. It's like when you know the Oregon Trail area is starting to, uh, you know, build up in the in the early 19th century, and uh, this dude runs into this Chinese man who is uh, on the run from uh, I don't know a, a group of men uh, who's. Uh, whose friend killed a friend of theirs. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Or or they called him a thief. They said he'd stole from them or something. And so the two of them meet and they're on their way to this town in 1920s, Oregon, 1820s, Oregon. And, uh, this village gets a cow for the first time. And they begin stealing milk from the cow, milking it in the, in the dead of night in order to bake cakes that they sell to this village. Uh, and eventually they get caught. That's awesome. And that's the movie. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. It's about milking a cow and and like but again it's it's about that but it's not really about that. Like there's so much more there there. Um you know this this guy his name is Cookie. They na- they call him Cookie is uh, you know he like sort of develops this great relationship with this Chinese man whose name I'm blanking on. Is his name actually Cookie? No, it's his nickname. They call him Cookie. Everybody calls him Cookie in the movie. Like like the people from the 1900s called him? Yes, Cookie. cookie. Okay, because I was going to say, that's a choice by the 1800s. filmmakers. 1800s. Oh, 1800s. But if, it, if it was a choice by the filmmakers, it's pretty on the nose. He's a baker. He makes Cookie. Well, I think that's why they call him really? Cookie. Really? <laughs> yeah, you know, because, yeah, he used to, like, intern, I guess, for a, a baker in Boston. All right. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, there's... Okay, not much happens in this movie. It's just, like, a lot of shots of, like, the woods. <laughs> and, like, a cow. Right. And, like, the guy talks to the cow as he milks it. And, like, you learn a lot about him. And then... Uh, the ending, I will say, is in- incredible. Okay. It is uh, I, definitely my favorite ending of the year. All right. Um, And it's really, really good. It's one of the best endings I've seen in a long time. Awesome, awesome. You ever milked a cow, Nico? No. I have. How was that? It's fun. 
I mean, I milk my own cow. I don't know what. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Way to just kill that. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Uh, what else did I say? I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You seen anything recently? I rewatched a straight story for since that's forever since I've seen that one. Yeah. And I'm, and I commented about it. I was like, wow, you know, David Lynch is interesting where it's like, um, I, I, I would have always loved this filmmaker if he had, if he had come of age making the elephant man before Eraserhead, he still would have been an amazing person to me in every single way. Yeah. And I still would have loved his work. And what I mean by that is like, if he had made movies a little more accessible in the vein of something like the straight story, he'd still be remarkable. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. I was just like, I was just like, and I've always felt that, but I was like firmly reminded of it again. We're just looking at this one mm-hmm. and the, and Alan Farnsworth, I think that's the actor's name. Oh, God, it's sad that what he ended up doing, yeah, he ended himself. up killing himself. Right? Yeah. Not long after that. It was the day after he received his Oscar nomination. Yeah. Or maybe it was the day before, but it's like this horrible story. He got an Oscar nomination and he killed himself. Yep. And he was this actor that had sort of bounced around the business for a couple of years mm-hmm. for actually several decades and finally got his part. And yeah, it was really tragic. Well, he had, ha- he got pancreatic cancer. Right. And he was like miserable apparently. Yeah. And like kind of muscle, muscle through making the, the movie. And apparently he's like, like sort of blew everyone away with his level of tenacity because he yeah. was in a lot of pain making it. But yeah, he, I guess he's like, I can't take it anymore. And I guess this is a way to go out. I just miss the days when Disney hired David Lynch to make a movie. You know, and it's great. I just long for those days. It was wonderful. I'm sure he was worried about that after doing Dune and thinking like, "Oh boy, like I can't deal with the studio system ever again." Because he hates that movie. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. He turned down Return of the Jedi. It's so crazy. Could you imagine what that would have been like? I love the story behind that. It's a great. Yeah. it's a great story. I just, I want to see that movie so bad. Me too. Me too. I would pay a thousand dollars for that movie right now. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah, stream it too. in my house right now. I mean, it'd be probably assuming he was allowed to do what he would want to do. It'd probably be better than the original. Did you watch Beautiful Boy this week too? Did I? Oh, did I, I see about that, that in your yeah, letterbox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched uh, Beautiful Boy a couple weeks ago. I wanted to talk to you about this. Yeah, I watched it. What'd you think of it? Uh, it's uh, awesome. It's, yeah, it's it is awesome. It's very heartbreaking. It's it's. I mean. The only the only reason I would watch it again is if I needed like a certain degree of catharsis, which is essentially what it is for me. Mm-hmm. It hits very close to home mm-hmm. for me, though. So that's the thing. Like watching it is not was not an easy task yes. for me, um, and it wasn't always enjoyable. And I related to it almost too much at times. Yes, but um, I related to parts of it. Yeah, it's it, it's hard to deny. Like. Yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is what it does to families and friends and even like your direct family. Right. It's not fun, but like I'm, I'm, I was happy with the movie's level of honesty with all of that because I mean all too often like these stories are just about adults. I was like, God damn, like this is so much more about kids mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like when you're talking about like drug rehabilitation, like it's like why don't we see the, the, the children's side of this? Not really children, but adolescents. Yes. Because I feel like that's where m- most of the stories are. Yeah. And like to see it here was like, it was, it's like sort of an uncanny effect where it's like, oh God, this is like all too real. It's Mm. like, so it's a tough watch, but, um, just like superb. And Timothy Chalamet is just like the, one of the things that makes it so perfect is his nuances when he's fucked up Mm. and how obvious it is like to me, but Mm. like when, but not necessarily detectable to the average person. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh my God, he already went back to drug shit. I can, and that's what it was. You just see it in his eye. yeah. Yeah. It's his. 
right, his that mouth little twitch, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh god, yeah, because I've seen that before, and it's just like Jesus Christ, man. Like this movie just got it, right? And it, and it's strange to me to think that the movie wasn't as warmly received as it should have been. I'm, I guess I'm not, not entirely to say that, sure why. I mean, it's not to say that it was poorly received, but it was like more like you know, it's good. And right. They just sort of forgot a little about schmaltzy, it. I think, was maybe one of the criticisms. I'm not sure I'd call it schmaltzy. Mo- I wouldn't call it that either. The movie this is the first movie I've ever seen to use uh, uh, t- the territorial pissings track by Nirvana. Oh wow! I'm like, they use territorial pissings in I a movie. I don't even remember that. It's when um, uh, he's he's driving to find um, uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet. What's his name? Nick. I don't remember. Don't Nick remember. sounds right. Yeah, I think it might be Nick. Nick sounds right. Yeah. He's, Nick, yep, Nick yep, Schiff, yep. yep. He's looking to find. He's he's driving to find Nick after he's escaped from the the rehab center, and it's that song that's playing while he's there. They're in the rain, and he just throws him into the car. Yeah, which is so weird. And then it like cuts back and forth from uh, older Nick to young Nick. They're, they're jamming out to the same song in the car, mm. <laughs> and how they both have like the same uh, meaning and significance, but in completely opposite ways. Yeah. And it's funny because I was like, yeah, it's a perfect song for that, too. The movie's just smart, too. Yeah. I just really I, I really don't know. I never really understood the criticisms. I really never did. I, I, I loved the movie. I thought Carell was very good. And, of course, Chalamet is astounding. Like, I, I don't know how he doesn't get at least an Oscar nomination for that. And he didn't. Um, it's very strange. Yeah, I just think it's incredible. I yeah. really did. And it, it made me ball. I was bawling my eyes out at well, the end of that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a crier for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, may, maybe it's because like a lot of the conversations are not like, they're not exactly novel in the realm of film. Like we've we've seen characters have conversations. Yeah, there's a little cliche, I guess. But again, I, I, this is the problem with people and just their prejudice towards cliches. I, like, I don't give a shit if the cliches are there. It's do them well. Yeah. Just do them well, man. Right. It doesn't matter. I mean, a lot of these stories are going to have overlap. That's okay. Right. It's about the voice. And especially it's based so. on a real story too. It's based on yeah. the, the real memoir written by these two men. Mm-hmm. Um, two, memoirs, two memoirs. Two memoirs. Oh, right. Yeah. They were dual memoirs. Correct. Yeah, it's based on Tweak and uh, Beautiful Boy. Right. 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 Yeah. And yeah. And it's yeah, based on both of them. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I I loved it. I'm Me glad too. you liked it. as much. I, I figured as much. I figured you would like yeah. it a lot. I was, I was prepped before going into it because Abby had seen it a while ago mm-hmm. and she told me not to watch it. Yeah. She was like, don't watch this movie. Yeah. Abby. If you have a personal connection to just sort of like yeah. drug abuse and uh, like, again, I, I, I have never dealt with anything like that. And thankfully nobody close to me has dealt with anything like that. But um, I, I definitely did recognize some of the beats of just like depression and like mental breakdowns and, like that I have seen and just uh, just a, a, that slither of of reality hit hard. It's the relationship like a sledgehammer. It's the father son relationship, though, that is so crushing, but also so true. Yep. Oh, it's tough. Like when he has to tell him, like, could you come help me? Could you come take me back into the family? He's like, no. Right. I'm like, yeah, when he has to oh. finally say no, enough's enough. Get your act together. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Uh, all right. <laughs> Anyway, class of 2003. Yeah, oh, that was positive and uplifting. <laughs> Your nominees, uh, Love Actually, Finding Nemo, Kill Bill Volume 1, Big Fish, Old Boy, Lost in Translation. I think this is one of the weakest years we've ever done. <laughs> I'm just going to say it right now. Um, well, I don't fully agree with that. Okay. I like, um, I mean, I pretty much love, yeah, I love almost all of them except for one. I um, think the best movie of the year was not nominated here, and that's Memories of Murder. Oh, but we already talked about it. I know, and we already put it in. Um, but if we had not put it in, I think we would nominate it here and induct it. It's by far the best. Yeah. By far the best. Although there is competition with at least one, in my opinion. Okay. 
I don't think so. Hmm. I think that's by far and away like the only masterpiece of that year. And the rest of these are, uh, you know, they range from good to very good. And I, you, nah, there's like two great movies here. Sure. There are two that I definitely hold very close to my heart. Uh, would I call them like movie hall of fame movies? <laughs> I don't think so. One, yes, yes. Yes, one I would absolutely call a movie Hall of Fame, but it's the only one. To me, it's very obvious. Okay. To me, I have one choice that I think is by default, okay, I guess it's that one. But I don't know. I don't feel strongly about any of them. Maybe I'll just, I'll, I don't know. You feel default by one? Really? Yeah. We'll talk about it. I think I know which one it is, but seriously? Okay. What's up? Okay. Uh, Highest grossing movie of that year? Finding Nemo. Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which also won Best Picture. That's true. Yeah. Which again tells you about the quality of film. Oh, well, that's year. a that's also a masterpiece. Finding Nemo number two, <laughs> Matrix Reloaded number three. That is a bad but fun movie. People saw that movie, huh? That is no a, a lot of people. Dude, it's the Matrix. It's the sequel to the Matrix. I know. I didn't realize people actually saw it. No, no, that, that no. I'm serious. That is a fun fucking movie. That is really not good at all. So Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl number four movie. I love Bruce Almighty number five. Maybe that's all right. Uh, best picture again. Your nominees uh, lost in translation. Master and Commander the far side of the oh. world. <laughs> yeah, Peter Weir movie. Uh, Mystic River Seabiscuit and your winner is Lord of the Rings Return of the King. I think it's an awesome win by the way. Awesome. Awesome. win. won 11 Oscars. Holy shit. Certainly haven't had one like that in a while. No. Win best picture. Uh, Peter Jackson wins best director. Sean Penn, best actor. Interesting best actor field here. Sean Penn for Mystic River. Johnny Depp for Pirates, mm-hmm. which you just never see anything like that. I think again, I think it's an awesome choice. Uh, I, I agree. Ben Kingsley and House of Sand and Fog. That's like the traditional, like, you know, he's Ben Kingsley, so you nominate him. Uh, Jude Law for Cold Mountain and Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. Those are your five nominees. Uh, I don't think Sean Penn is the best choice there. You think Bill Murray is? I do. Uh-huh. I do. We'll no. talk. Uh, <laughs> really? He's, he's very good. Are we about to get in an argument about Lost in Translation later? No. Okay. Charlize Theron wins for Monster. That's right. Tim Robbins wins for Mystic River, Best Supporting Actor. And Renee Zellweger wins Best Supporting Actress for Cold Mountain. I do have a lot of honorable mentions, but I think that's just because it's a recent year and I saw a lot of these movies growing up. Because again, I think it's a pretty weak year. Mm -hmm. Uh, One movie in the National Film Registry, that is Errol Morris's The Fog of War. Documentary. Uh, I said Memories of a Murder, Mystic River. We've talked about those movies. Memories of Murder. I always get that wrong. Why do I write it down like that? (laughs) He's correcting it. I'm correcting it just because it's (laughs) pissing me off. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, of course. Uh, Pirates, uh, School of Rock. Movie I I quite love, actually, even though I don't think it it necessarily needs to be on the list, but uh, a charming movie that means a lot to me growing up. Me too. Elf. Oh, and maybe even Ditto. more maybe even more charming movie that means a lot to me growing up. Ditto. Love that movie. Yeah, it's great. Uh I think there's a better Christmas movie that came out that year, but that's all right. Uh Dogville. Lars von Trier. You ever seen it? No. Me okay. neither. Okay. One of these days. Super long apparently, but one of these days, Alice. One of these days. We're, we're do a Trier pod? Yeah. We're gonna do it. Okay. Because Melancholia apparently is amazing. I've seen it. 
Do you love it? No. No? No. People love that melancholia. That movie can fuck off. Really? Yeah, I don't like it. Two Matrix movies. Bruce Almighty, we said. Uh, Elephant. Yeah, a movie we both have seen. I don't know how. That's like (laughs) the chances of us both seeing Elephant are kind of remarkable. Um, Because for all intents and purposes, that movie doesn't exist to anybody. (laughs) It's a tough movie. Yeah, of course Tough watch. Uh, Have you seen the whole Gus Van Sant death trilogy? No, I mean, I know about, uh, what's the first one called? Uh, the the Jerry uh, Jerry Jerry yeah Jerry, where it's just Matt, yeah it's Matt Damon and and, and Ben Affleck Casey, Casey Affleck, Affleck in the desert walking in the desert and then he kills him at the very end correct yeah, and that's it and then you got the last one which is End of Days which is just a pseudo Kirk Cobain. Kirk, Kirk Cobain story yeah right no Elephant is the best of the three I think I I haven't seen uh, uh the uh, uh last days yeah yeah no me neither but uh, Elephant is yeah tough watch it's it's basically like a loose retelling of Columbine. Uh, and so, yeah, bundle of laughs. They're all, they're all <laughs> loose retellings of horrible events. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, last samurai. I like that movie. Edward Zwick. Monster. Yeah. We said matchstick men. Interesting movie. Yeah. I'd like that movie. Yeah. I, I like it. It's, it's the, one of the weirdest Ridley Scott films I think ever made, but like, surprisingly effective no i like when dudes that usually have a hundred million dollar budgets do something with a 10 million dollar budget i just want always a sucker for that i can't even imagine what it must have been like for really scott to work with nicholas cage though yeah that must have been weird is that rubisi too giovanni rubisi in that is he uh, no no no, i'm sorry sam rockwell yeah sam rockwell Rockwell. okay isn't that yeah i love that movie i love a con man movie bad santa came out in 2003 (laughs) bad santa fuck yeah italian job Cable favorite. TNT, USA Network favorite. It's okay. Uh, the station agent gave us the dink. I've never seen it, actually. Me neither. X2. Oh, the one of the best X-Men sequels. I agree. American Splendor. Okay, movie. Haven't seen it. Paul Giamatti. It's about like a comic book writer. Who directed that? Who directed that? Good question. It looks like a Wes Anderson movie. It's not. Is it a, it's not. Is it a Noah Baumbach movie? No. You look at the poster. Actually, the poster for American Splendor and the poster for Squid and the Whale are exactly the same. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's kind of funny. Like It's both like a guy sitting... Like Okay, so let me show you, right? Here's American Splendor. <laughs> okay. okay. Remember that image? And then here is Squid and the Whale. Yeah, <laughs> same poster. It's the same like art style. Yeah, exactly, same idea. Exactly the same. Probably the same person. Same idea. Squid in the whale. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, who directed American Splendor? I don't know. Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini. Okay. Uh, capturing the Freedmans. You ever seen it? Oh, capturing the Freedmans documentary. I've heard of it. Mostly home footage. What's this one about? The clown. Uh. I'm not even going to tell you. Just see it. Is it nutty? It's a crime well? movie, yeah. Is it fucked up? Yeah. Capturing the Freedman's so good. Holes! Oh, Holes! Oh! i probably seen Holes more than any other film that you've ever, mentioned. Ever. Ever made. Including the ones on this list, too, yeah. 
I've seen holes so much. Well, I read the book in, in elementary school, and that's I, what triggered it. Everyone read the book. That yeah. is a movie I should add to my list of movies that like changed my life. I've been like compiling movies that I realize like mean a lot to me, even if they're not necessarily great films. Mm-hmm. And so that might actually be one of those movies. The cast for Holes is insane. Mm-hmm. Not just Shia LaBeouf as the lead as a kid. Oh, it's great. All right. Sigourney Weaver. You forget that she's in that. John Voight. Yep. Tim Blake Nelson mm-hmm. is in this movie. Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler is the dad <laughs> in this movie. What is happening with Holes? Andrew Patricia Davis. Arquette. Oh my God, you're right. Director of The Fugitive, Andrew Davis made this movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Crazy stuff. Holes. Man, it's on, on Disney Channel all the time. That's not a bad movie at all, though. It's a fun one. Good movie. Like Absolutely. Movie, yeah. Here's not a good movie. Too Fast, Too Furious that also came out that year. Uh, Master Commander, Far Side of the World, we mentioned already. Uh, and then you got just, you know, the big two right here. Just the Michael Jordan and LeBron James of 2003 cinema. Geely in the room. Ooh. Oh, I didn't even realize that. One of these days, do we have to do like a bad movie induction? Maybe this year. <laughs> it's not that bad. But those two are, are certainly up there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Here we go. Let's begin. Should we just do this now? Love Actually? Love Actually. Yeah, sure. Written and directed by Richard Curtis. <laughs> Famed auteur. <laughs> Behind Notting Hill for Weddings and a Funeral and Bridget Jones' Diary. And Mr. Bean. Really? Did he write Mr. Bean? Yeah, he co-created it with Ron Atkinson. I like mm. Mr. Bean. Favorite Richard Curtis movie? Have you seen About Time? No. Oh, God, you'd love it. I would. Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. I, I don't know, it. dude. I love it. I don't know. Bill Nye, he's in that one. That's true. He is. Not as good a performance as in Love, actually. Mm. But uh, anyway, it stars, uh, again, Bill Nye, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson, Martin Freeman, Alan Rickman, Andrew Lincoln, Kieran Knightley, Hugh Grant, and that just is scratching the surface. Yep. This follows the lives of eight very different couples and dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in London. Go ahead. Unload. Oh, I mean... Unload. It's like all Bill Nye for me. Yeah. I mean, if... Yeah, I mean, you need Bill Nye to... Is it Nye or Nye? Nye. Nye? I thought it was Nye. No, it's Nye. Okay. It's Bill Nye. And yeah, you need him for this movie to be, uh, at least to work on me. I, yeah. Um, I, I pretty much hated everything about it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like a single conceivable thing about this movie aside from him. Yeah. So I think I, I was, uh, I mean like a lot of like really like deep seated, like, whoa, movie. No, uh, uh, stop it. Like, like man, every, just name stuff. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the, the cr- porn it, actor stand-ins yeah that's a problem uh man um laura linney's Hugh character grant Hugh grant's a problem as the fucking prime minister yeah who's in it and then uh, the movie goes by for 40 minutes doesn't even show him for 40 minutes expects me to care about his relationship with this girl <sighs> um every relationship as a matter of fact um It'd be nice if we had sufficient time to really give a fuck about anything that goes on. Yeah, Laura Linney's character, and again, it's, it, it just comes down to the fact that, yeah, okay, I don't care that you, you want to try to have this uh, affair with, with someone, first of all. 
Um, and then the fact that your husband's got issues, uh, similarly. Yeah. Like you gave me two seconds to really appreciate that. And you're gone for like 40 minutes of the movie. Uh, I would say the individual stories are interesting, but again, like give me time with those individual relationships. I might've liked, I would have actually loved the story between Laura Linney and whoever the, the guy she wanted to see, uh, uh, was yes. If it had at least focused the entire movie on that. And it sort of extends to a lot of relationships or just the idea of Colin Firth's character trying to connect with someone who's culturally very different than him. Right. It's an interesting idea. Yes. And they're, and they are saying the same sentence, one sentence apart yeah, in different sweet. languages. It's sweet. But again, like I just, I just find it, uh, uh, schmaltzy and authentic as all hell correct and what's and, your point yeah so it, what's your point that's my point it doesn't okay work. here's so my it, theory it doesn't quite work okay here's my theory <laughs> i just think you don't like ensemble cast movies uh, i think you're allergic to robert altman <laughs> you are allergic to like the modern romantic comedy like and there's a lot of shitty ones too i'll give you that this is the best of the like modern day shit romantic comedies like gary marshall made those two movies mm. valentine's day and uh and new year's eve yeah and, you know, they're sort of going for exactly what Love Actually is going for here. You, we've all seen those those posters with like a hundred famous people on the front of them. And it's like, how many people can we squeeze into this? I think you just don't like ensemble cast movies. I don't think you like when a story roams around too much and goes, you know, from one character to another and doesn't spend too much time in any one place. I'm not sure I was confused about that or anything like that. It's not like it like didn't make sense. Why do you hate Nashville? Explain your hatred of Nashville. Because it's boring. Did you find this one boring? Uh, at times. Why do you hate on this movie? Who hates on Love Actually? Dude, this thing sucks. Andrew Lincoln with the fucking signs outside <laughs> her house? Kira Knightley's house? You enjoy that? Pretend it's carolers? You enjoy oh my God, gets me every time. How? Dude, you are such a small cheap piece of shit. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll admit that. Listen. <laughs> No one is saying that this movie is even Nashville. No one is even. No, I'm not saying you know that I mean? either. No, no one is saying that this movie is like is the greatest romance ever filmed. Like yeah. it's fucking Annie Hall or Casablanca or something. No, like not... we know what it is. It is a disposable Christmas classic. Why did you nominate this? Because I think like it has a lot of cultural impact. Certainly. It's a movie that people still watch and talk about. It's one of the better Christmas movies ever made because there's not many of them. Just because it has Christmas in it? Is that it? Is that the only reason? That's a big part of it. I'm a sucker for a Christmas <laughs> movie. No, I'm a sucker for... I'm Listen, I'm a sucker for candy every once in a while. Sure. And this movie is the best version of this story we've ever seen. Yeah, this is like sweet candy that's actually poison. As far as I'm concerned. It's not poison. Yeah, it is. Come on. No, it sucks, dude. It's um, not that. It's pretty terrible. How great is Martin Freeman as the porn stand-in? That shit's dude. amazing. Those scenes are so good. I'm actually not there with you at all. <laughs> I like, like, one smash cut to them. Every other scene with them trying to connect is just lame to me. I just think it's also just... Where, a, where a, she's a, sitting on his face and they're just, like, talking about politics? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a like like that stuff as well as like I, I see I obviously see what you're you were going for here, but I just don't think the handling of it is 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 clever whatsoever. Liam Neeson and his and his like stepson. I like that. That stuff's amazing. I like it at first though. I re, I, re, I recall watching it. I also forgot. I guess I watched it yesterday. I already forgot a shit ton of the movie. Um, yeah, I just remember it being again very like like surface level interest. It's and I don't know, like you said, the the it's sort of aggressively disposable, and I guess that's my oh issue with I the see. Movie. Like when your movie is so like like the only thing separating it from a Hallmark movie is the production value, right? 
Like, I, I'm, it's still a Hallmark movie to me. Got it. I mean, I, I guess the other issue is that, like, I don't know. Since then, or even before, there are just so many romance films like this that are sort of in that highly mainstream vein that just work wonders for me. Like? Um, Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, also works for me. I love that movie. Which I think is great. I love that movie. Uh, but yeah, that movie has like like greater focus. Yes. And takes more time with its characters. And I can actually appreciate a lot of the emotional beats that take place. And this movie's so manipulative. And that's the biggest issue I have with it. I guess. <laughs> no, I dude, know. it's, it's self aware, though, isn't it? N- no, dude, come it's on. It's self aware. No, I don't think so. The Bill Nike character is incredibly <laughs> self aware. Yes, yes. That's you know what I mean? Like, the, just the existence of that character. And it, a character like yeah. that does not exist in no, a yeah. Christmas Prince Part 4. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I, well, I wouldn't throw it past a Christmas Prince Part 4. <laughs> well, maybe Christmas Prince is the Godfather <laughs> trilogy of Hallmark movies, so I don't know. Beautiful films, right? Incredible there. movies. But even then, it goes back and it kind of makes him more sympathetic, and I just didn't really care. Yeah, the stuff with him and his like agent or whatever—it's nice enough. But again, like him as just levity is entertaining enough. Um, I also had an issue where it's like, movie—you can let me be sad. Uh, the movie's very, very afraid to to say, you know, what, like a lot of the stuff that these characters are going through should be a little more dramatic than they are. But the movie has the insistence to be like, it's going to be okay and pets its viewers. And right. I'm, I'm just like, just stop it. Let me feel like shit for a few times. Okay? Right. Yeah, I it's, know. It's, Liam Neeson's wife is dead. Yes. Just let her be dead for yes. like two minutes. You don't have to play that stupid fucking song. In the, <laughs> and when you're carrying the casket out, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, the, the movie's entirely that for me. Yeah. Uh, it, no, dude. No, no. Keep this as far away from me as, as you could possibly get. Yep. Throw it on the, the moon. The kid that goes to Minnesota to get laid and he's <laughs> greeted there by the Holy Trinity of like January Jones, Elijah Cuthbear. And I don't know who the last girl is, but that, like, <laughs> I didn't think the movie, I, I thought the movie was going to no matter what you do, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. So, sending that character to America thinking he's going to get laid by a bunch of American girls is, doesn't make a lot of sense to me because that wouldn't actually happen. Believe, believe it or not. Have you traveled with American girls to England? I have not. I have. <laughs> okay. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's a little different being a small fish in a big pond mm-hmm. and then catching the little guppy. In, you know, <laughs> what? what's the metaphor there? It's different if you go to England and you're surrounded sure. by English dudes as opposed to when one English dude comes to your hometown and they're fascinating. Yeah. One way it's overwhelming. The other way it's like, oh, this is yeah. a nice change of pace. But we've also proven that social distancing is possible. So you can spread people out <laughs> and it won't make much of a difference. They'll still come to this person. I, listen, I don't think that he's having a threesome <laughs> with the three most attractive roommates and I don't think in they the operate, entire Midwest. I don't think they operate like a magnet <laughs> just because they hear his fucking accent. It doesn't work that way. He's also a hideous human being. <laughs> So you got also not going to run into January Jones in Minnesota. No, it's just not going to happen. I thought it was going to be like, oh, he's going to Minnesota. He's not going to find Jack shit over there. Right. And here's Betty Draper just (laughs) ready to blow his brains out. I understand. Like, that's the joke. But it's so, like, remarkably stupid. I can't even get past it. It's like, it's okay. It's like sophomoric to an incredible fault. And yeah, dude, um, it's just. I wouldn't even I wouldn't say it's aged particularly well either. That's the other issue. The I think like it's a charming artifact and it's something that people revisit c- during Christmas time. I watch it all the time during Christmas. All the fucking yeah, time. Yeah, I'd never seen this movie in its entirety since I mean it's one of those cable movies yeah. it's on, yeah. Let's be very clear. It's an artifact and I'm sticking to calling it an artifact. Yeah, uh skip this one, listeners. It sucks. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like 
okay, maybe the song is not that impressive, but I like the way that the song is being played. You know, it's played. Like I enjoy every this other Nickelback song. cover. Okay, it is played like literally every other song in existence. Not a good movie. All right, but let's get past that. Move on. Finding Nemo. <laughs> Here's a good movie. Yes, directed by Andrew Stanton and Lee Un. Untrich? Untrich? How do you say that last name? How do you say Lee's last name? I don't know. Untrich? Untrich? Uh, It stars Albert Brooks, Ellen DeGeneres, Alexander Gould, and Willem Dafoe. Mm. Won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars that year. Also, I did not realize this, nominated for original screenplay, original score, and sound editing. Really? Yeah. So, like, got a lot of love at the Oscars that year. It's cool. Uh, after his son is captured in the Great Barrier Reef and taken to Sydney, a timid clownfish, here a clownfish, <laughs> sets out on a journey to bring him home. Um, Who doesn't love this movie? Yeah, I remember seeing this in the theater still. Yeah, me too. And I remember laughing harder than I'd ever laughed in my life. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, 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 not, it's not that I was laughing hysterically. It's not a movie that I, I, I remember as being super duper funny. It's just like an awesome odyssey and a really sweet and ex- uh, accessible odyssey of a film. Mm. I love movies about little journeys like this. Yes. Like well, here. every Pixar movie is kind of that now, mm. isn't it? It's like yeah. there's something in the over there and over there and it's your job to get there and learn something about yourselves along the way not something we haven't seen a thousand times before or that we're not still seeing yeah so it happens all the time but it's a tried and true formula that uh i mean unless you're a total idiot usually works yes <laughs> i love these movies sure i love these movies of course um i was thinking about this in relation to finding dory which is a movie that i liked but didn't love yeah same here and i'm trying to figure out why I love this one and only liked Finding Dory. Well, this one has more imagination. Yeah. That's definitely true. There is something to the animation, though, here that I think is like a little more impressive. Like, there's something with that sense of place here that I didn't get with Finding Dory, and I'm trying to figure out how. I mean, it's part of it is also, again, this taps into what people want when they go to the movies, generally speaking, which is, a, I mean, <sighs> escapism has a sort of a, a negative connotation to it. I'm just going to call it transportive. Mm. Um, Cause when, I mean, I, as much as I like finding Dory, I don't need to watch an animated film about people going to an aquarium. Right. It's whatever. Right. I would love to explore the ocean. Mm-hmm. I would love that more than anything. I would love to see what it has to offer me yeah. or what it has to throw at me. Right. And one of the great things about finding Nemo is that it made me realize things that I never really did. It showed me an entirely new world and yeah. showed this stuff in a way that I never even considered. Right. I was always scared of jellyfish, not to the extent that I was until I watched this. Oh my God. When it gets to like the bottom of the ocean, essentially, and it's completely pitch black down there. It's fucking freaky. Terrifying. Just when you're looking down and there's nothing. Right. And the, then all of a sudden you see one light. This, it, for being honest, this could have been part of the inception of my fear of the ocean. Just, okay. I can just blame this movie. It'll, and that's so weird because it's a kid's film, but as a lot of Pixar films do quite well, is that they touch on very real emotional ideas that we can all kind of connect to. Even if, if you're three years old, or 40 years old. Yeah, I think you're onto something there with Finding Dory sort of being a, a, a sort of neither here nor there locale. Um, yeah, the aquarium there is just like a little ecosystem and there's not a ton of danger and there's not a ton of unknown. And, you know, you look at the original Finding Nemo movie and, and when Nemo is caught in that fish tank at the dentist office, that thing is fucking Alcatraz. Yes. Like that is a terrifying place to be. You do not want to be in that fish tank. There is nothing fun about being in that fish tank. Like everyone there 
all the creatures from the starfish to the the clam like they are they are scarred. They have PTSD for being in that tank for so long. That's what's so interesting about it. And they need to leave at all costs. But like the aquarium and finding Dory, it's like, eh, not too bad. Like it's a hotel. Yes, exactly. Right. It's a hotel. It's nonchalant. And I think that what they do so well in this one is that they go to the other extreme where it's like, if you're going to trap your character and you're kind of going to cut back and forth between the vastness of the ocean, you better be smart to cut back between the proximity of a little tank sure. that I could hold in my hand, essentially. Exactly right. Which is so smart. And when Nemo gets caught in the filter, like, yeah. it is oh, horrifying. Awesome scene. Dude, it's, awesome, like, awesome it's, scene. it's like when the guy fucking cuts his thumb off in Escape from Alcatraz. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really is like a, a, a really a, a perilous moment. I, <laughs> it's a perilous moment for our hero. Man, how good is Escape from Alcatraz? Amazing. I, I don't want to go into too much I of a tangent, but so much. I love that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you made me, reminded me about the, the fingers, which I saw when I was like 11. Oh, me too. Scarred me for life. I think I'm I like, might have been younger. I'm like, oh. Yeah. So yeah, it's the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah, actually. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's so that and Finding Dory, it's an incredible double feature. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, no, you're 100% right. And, and yes, the ocean is, it's everything, right? It is terrifying. It is perilous. Um, it is, uh, like a school. Yeah. It's a great place for a field trip. Like I, I want to live in that reef. I want to, what, what's the, the, the thing that he lives in the plant? Oh, it's a anemone. Anemone. All right. All right. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah. I want, I want to hang out in the anemone. I want to touch the butt. I want to do everything. It's tactile. Like you can really feel everything about it. And again, like the, and it's not just the ocean specifically, but like I said, the stuff in the ocean, when I said it was, it had a great imagination. I never once conceived that a movie like this would have taken place inside of a sunken submarine. Yes. I never would have conceived the fact that there would have been a scene where I am inside of a whale mouth yeah i never would have conceived the the um the east australian current with all the, the oh with the turtles the turtles it's that's just awesome. the best yeah Isn't like it? as this thing you just sort of get caught you get stuck in and it just yeah. carries you name one scene like that in finding dory no there isn't there what, isn't one what do you have for me the, the scene where dory is in a box in a car on the highway yes exactly on a bridge no when when the fish start steering the bus oh come on. and drive the bus off of the cliff it's terrible yeah it's not good yeah I like that movie, but like that moment is like, what the fuck is happening now? Yeah, it's everything's like, too harmonious. I think that is part of the problem. Yeah. Like everything in that movie, it's like it's too just it, its own like self-contained ecosystem where everybody gets along. Mm-hmm. There's not enough conflict. No. Whereas this movie, it's like every step of this journey is just terrifying. It's perilous. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like, oh, my God, what other horrible thing can they come across now and the movie is constantly surprising you. Right. You never. Qu- I mean, Bruce the shark is a oh. horrifying villain. Yep. By the way, totally got that from Jaws, Bruce. I, I wrote that down. That is what they called the shark in Bruce uh, in in Jaws. That's true. Um, yeah, no, incredible stuff. <laughs> no, it, it's yeah, it, and also like the animation here. It's beautiful. It's just, it's I beautiful. think it's the most beautiful Pixar movie. Maybe I would put the first half of Wall-E there, or just like it's the most visually striking Pixar movie. Yep. I, I just think like the way that the light reflects off of the ocean surface. And just lights up, you know, the underwater regions. It's just, you know, it's incredible. I really had not seen anything like it in animation until I saw this movie. It's so well realized, too. I mean, again, just 
when you're there, you're really in the ocean. It's that kind of feeling, even though it is obviously animated. Like you, you, you just feel soaked the entire time. Mm-hmm. I also have to express the fact that I love the fact that this is about a, a movie uh, about a, f- a passive father trying to, you know, become a stronger father and connect yes. with his son. Because too often you get movies that are about uh, like like so a family loses the mother or the dad, vice versa. But the the father or the dad are quite strong and they're just trying to deal with it. They're not exactly like, like, like they're capable. And I mean, the whole movie is about, uh, Marlon. That's his name. I always want to say Marty. Yeah. Uh, Marlon. Well, doesn't one of the characters call him Marty in the movie? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Marty. You're a clownfish. (laughs) Tell us a joke. (laughs) You're funny, right? (laughs) Hey, tell us a joke. Yeah. (laughs) I love that sequence. (laughs) Come on, cloudy. Yeah. Do something funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen this movie a few times. Yeah, I I, I could say the same thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the story about like like a, a father trying to reconnect with his son in this in this way is 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 quite interesting yeah. to me. Incredibly universal yeah. for sure. And look, that gut punch in the first act is yeah. like, only Pixar is capable of doing that. It should be the reverse though. It should be the 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 father saying like I'll take care of the kids. You get you get back in in, in the anemone. It's not like okay, no, let's go into the anemone. Don't yes. worry about it. It'll be fine. Right. That arc is yes. wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Like, it's not like this heroic death, the no. way that you're accustomed to seeing. It's just like a tragedy. And it's a tragedy where, like, the heroes have no control over the situation. And they made a mistake, essentially. Yes. Like, even if, uh, in, in a way, not to, say, not to say that I think it should have gone in this direction, but if Marlon had died, it would have been a little more noble. Certainly more noble than yeah, what he was going to do. Right. So, And when he just gets that one little egg and you just so see, sweet. like, the crack in the egg, mm. it's, ah! That's great. Who doesn't love Finding Nemo? Awesome. Is it, it where would you rank it Pixar wise? I think I've always put it at like 4. 4? Four? 4. Behind? It's, it's in the top 5. Behind what? Um so I mean yeah, I hate to be This is this is one instance where I will be stupid obvious. Yeah. Um Toy Story, um uh in- Incredibles and I this is my my one like odd take like and i i i, I will own this ratatouille ratatouille is number three for okay me. i i it's not as odd a take as you would think people okay. love their ratatouille. I love ratatouille yeah i think i put it at three and it's only behind incredibles and toy story that's yeah. it yeah. which is fair i don't care <laughs> it's not something i'm gonna argue about <laughs> yeah you know every time i see ratatouille though it blows me away it does. The movie sneaks up on you, dude. It's so good. It's really good. I might. I've probably seen Ratatouille more than any other Pixar movie, aside from maybe, oh, really? maybe The Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. Finding Nemo. So good. I, I mean, listen, could be a contender today. I don't know. Could be. Could be. Could be. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Uh, Kill Bill Volume One is next. Okay. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Uma Thurman, Lucy Liu, Vivica A. Fox, Daryl Hannah. And David Carradine, nominated for zero Oscars, after awakening from a four-year coma, a former assassin wreaks vengeance on the team of assassins who betrayed her. Um, I am on the record as not being a huge Kill Bill fan, despite being a massive Quentin Tarantino fan. Uh, I put the Kill Bill movies way at the bottom of mm. my Tarantino rankings, just ahead of Death Proof. It's weird, because they're like some of the most iconic. Yes. I would say the soundtrack here is the most overused of all of his movies mm-hmm. it certainly comes up a lot. It's, it's, I mean, not to say that every single song in this is like, is like, you know, super, super popular, but it has like those two themes that we see everywhere. Yes. So it's certainly the most recognized in that way. And it's the imagery of Uma Thurman in this movie is maybe it could be more recognizable than Vincent. And, uh, um, it's close. Yeah. yeah. 
and, and uh, jewels. Jewels, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that jumpsuit. I don't know what's more iconic the the suits that the hitmen wear or the jumpsuit that that the bride wears. I, I have a little more respect for the 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 suit suits as, as opposed to the jumpsuit because the jumpsuit is just Bruce Lee, right? But um, then again, you also have the suits and Reservoir Dogs. That's true. You have a lot of really iconic stuff. Good outfits. Good outfits. Yeah, it's great outfits. Django's blue suit. People don't love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan <laughs> oh, of the blue suit. You don't. It's like, wait, you don't love it? What? Yeah. What? I love the blue suit. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, Brad Pitt with no shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a suit. I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, really, Brad Pitt, his essence is really a suit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This, yeah, I've always loved this movie. It's one, it's, I don't know, it's five for me five five four five yeah yeah okay i mean i i don't have any issue with this this movie whatsoever especially since it's so authentically what it's trying to be Mm -hmm. a lot of people will call this movie indulgent and i understand that sentiment but it's very obvious that they haven't seen a lot of kung fu movies yes um and since this movie is trying to be exactly that as the the most um for americans version maybe even not that i mean this is this is a kung fu movie the first one definitely oh absolutely just in just pure attitude and style aesthetics everything Mm -hmm. everything about it, even the script um yeah it's it's i I love movies like that and i will always love movies like that they're not always gleaming with a tremendous amount of substance but they're not really trying to be Mm -hmm. And as far as like an action movie is concerned i mean this is it's it's up there for me it's a fantastic action film in that way so the theory is this is one of the movies in the tarantino universe that was made for the other people in the tarantino universe that's that that is a theory right i guess it's not inherently accessible. Yeah. I would recommend the movie, but I also, I always put the caveat on like, it's not entirely what you think. Like if you're not keen to any of these sensibilities, it's going to be rather abrasive actually. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's, um, that's sort of what I felt about it. Like I'm watching it and it feels like, you know, one of the shorts Tarantino might've made as part of, uh, as part of grindhouse. You know what I mean? He was really in that like grindhouse phase. And he, I guess his entire career is in the, it is grindhouse phase, but this one just feels very explicitly like an homage to movies that were not good. You know what I mean? (laughs) Some though, like that's the thing is that like, it's very evident to Tarantino that a lot of these movies are pretty good. Like I, I don't fully agree with that. I mean, there's plenty that suck. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, just just the level of craft with being able to capture everything in these movies is quite impressive. They're just a, it's a very different language. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I mean, how, when's the last time you've seen this movie? Um, probably within the last year. I caught some on cable. I mean, I watched that whenever you know the fight scene at the end is on. I'll always catch the end fight scene. Do you like the end fight scene? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. I mean, I think it's the best part of the movie. I also think this is better than Volume Two. Um, yeah, I do too. And I think pretty definitively, Volume Two just has a lot of talking in it. It does. I don't dislike volume two either though. It, yeah. It, 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 it works for me. There are elements of it that I absolutely adore, but there are, but it's at a certain point I'm like, yeah, okay, get on with it. I was it's, always bothered by the training montage in part two, like w- with, really? the, with the Chinese oh, master. Yes. Oh, I like that. I've always liked that stuff. Because that character, like I just, that's not a real character to me. That's you know? a very, like, like that character appears in so many movies. Yeah. Like not, not just like, like the, the idea of his character, like, like the image of that character right. has been used time and time again in a lot of Kung Fu movies. Sure. So as, as that like certain grandmaster, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. 
Yeah. It's actually one of my favorite parts of that movie. Okay. But again, so how it so uh, accurately captures what those movies are about, you know, but while still, you know, feeling like Tarantino. I mean, we actually, it's funny, we actually talked about that entirely in, um, uh, uh, we had a class devoted to it in England. We just went over specifically Kill Bill Volume 2. And I was very confused as to why we were talking huh. about Kill Bill Volume 2. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, of all the scenes in Kill in the, the Kill Bill uh, plethora, uh, whatever you want to call it, this scene, the professor believed that that scene most accurately captured what like a lot of kung fu movies feel like. Okay. He's like, yeah, maybe that's why I didn't like it. It's genre blending in a very specific way. Yeah. And again, like that's the thing though. And and why, like you say, it's supposedly made for like other people, like mainstream audiences. No, I, 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 my, my only observation is that the theory of the Tarantino connected universe involves like, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the Vega brothers, John Travolta and Michael Madsen from Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs are connected. And, uh, I think the grandfather was the bear Jew during uh, World War II from Inglorious Bastards. And all that interconnectivity, um, for some reason, Kill Bill doesn't fit into that continuity. Oh. And that's because Kill Bill was a movie that was shown for the characters in the other movies. That's the theory. That Kill Bill exists as its own piece of culture within that Vincent Vega made it, may have seen at the movie theater. And that's why, in fact, Uma Thurman... In Pulp Fiction, she was in a TV pilot that is remarkably similar to the plot of yeah, Kill yeah. Bill. And so to me, it just feels like, oh, yeah, this is sort of uh, an impression of what a movie is supposed to look like and not. Ex- you know what I mean? But it's quite compelling for me, though. Yeah. I mean, just that. Open- I never buy into the logic of the world. Let me put it that way. OK, that's fair. I, I just I mean, if, if, if you're willing to go along with movies being as as. Uh, uh, flavorful as this, <laughs> yes, we'll say as 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 bright and saturated and having absolutely zero chill. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, especially in the beginning. The movie really lets you know, like, yeah, we're paying homage to the genre, but we are taking it quite seriously when she gets shot right in the head. Yes, that's uh, pretty intense and pretty brutal, and it makes kind of no bones about it. I remember yeah. seeing that and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, definitely. Okay, it's it, this is the movie I'm in. Definitely. Dude, the fight scene in part two where, like, she steps on the eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> she pulls her eyeball out and steps on it. It's like, Jesus Christ, yeah. Tarantino. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not for, for everybody. I under, I understand. There's very kind I was also very bothered by the pussy wagon, the, the, uh, <laughs> the rape scene there, or the attempted rape scene. Yeah. I should know. Was no, he did rape her, didn't he? A little bit, and then she bit a his little tongue. bit. <laughs> well, he he get he gets on top of her, right? Yeah, uh, he starts like kissing her, and then she she almost immediately bites his tongue off and kills him. Right? Yeah, th- just that stuff is very striking. Uh, look, I'm a Tarantino diehard, so like, what am I going to say about Kill Bill? I I I like the movie just fine. I'm obviously in like the Tarantino canon. I think I put it towards the bottom. Um, but I understand exactly what he's going for here. I totally get it. I totally get it as like a feminist allegory. Yeah. Yeah. That too. And you know, it's great. And the, and the end scene with Lucy Liu and it rocks. Yeah. It rocks. It's awesome. It's great action. It's, it's, I don't, I don't care. Like if it's paying homage, if it's like blatantly being that, and then some even, some people might even want to say it's ripping off. It's like, okay, but like, how is it well done? Well, there are shots in the movie that are directly borrowed from Enter the Dragon, aren't they? Like, he literally yeah. recreates the shot as an homage. Some of them, yeah. 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 
See, even when you recreate shots, though, this is the funny thing is that when you do shot for shot remakes of things, they will sometimes inherently have a different quality to them. Yes. Like when you cite the, the funny games remake or when more, more aptly when you cite the psycho remake. Right. Totally different. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy how psycho can be a shot for shot remake, but so much worse. Yeah. And you're like, what's missing here? And there's sort of that ineffable quality that mm-hmm. it just doesn't have that Hitchcock exactly. brought to it. There's an intangible thing there. Yeah. yeah. Kill Bill. There you go. I love it. Yeah, I know you do. Some would even say there's an argument to be had that it could get inducted. I'm, I don't know. I think it is definitely the most iconic of the six. Yes, I agree. But I I mean, the only other one I would say is Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo could be more iconic, but you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Uh, Big Fish. Big Fish. Directed by Tim Burton, my favorite filmmaker of all time. I know. Uh, Starring Ewan McGregor, Albert Finney, Billy Crudup, Jessica Lange, Helen Bottom, Carter, Marion Cotillard, Danny DeVito, and Steve Buscemi. What an ensemble. Yeah. Nominated for one Oscar that year. It was Best Original Score. Danny Elfman's score there gets the nomination. You know what? I think I was rewatching Big Fish this week. And I think that the reason I don't like Tim Burton is is Danny Elfman's score. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Just it's my working theory now. Is that what was doing it for you this time? Okay, let me be clear. I like this movie. Okay. I like this movie a lot. I think it's a really good movie. I think it's one of Tim Burton's best movies. Yeah, me too. Maybe it's his best movie. Hmm. But there is something about the quirkiness of the Danny Elfman score. I, I don't know what it is. It works fine in like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I guess. Yeah. It I works mean, fine in Edward Scissorhands. But like, does every scene need to be played for quirks? Danny Elfman's quite esoteric. So what do you expect? No, I know. I get it, man. If you <laughs> He's see not going to be for everybody. What's uh, the name of that like experimental band, that art band that he was in? Oh, what the hell was that? That was on the gong show. I've seen, yeah, we, we, we watched it. Yeah, together. yeah, 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 yeah. It was fucking weird. I, I don't remember what it's it was. It's just not my thing. I, I, I understand that. I do. I do. So maybe it's Danny Elfman. Maybe I don't like Danny Elfman more than I don't like Tim Burton as much as I recognize Danny Elfman as a good musician. Boy, because I mean, like his Mission Impossible score is phenomenal. You know what? You're right about that. It's phenomenal. You're onto something there. It's it's. My, I think it's my favorite Mission Impossible score. Oingo boingoingo. Ah, uh, oingo benoingo. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I mean, maybe that could. Maybe it's just certain tones of Danny Elfman because he really works in Mission Impossible. He really works in Spider Man. Yes. Uh but I understand, like the sort of like strange, whimsical, like like ethereal quality to a lot of his his work is 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 odd. He's perfectly paired with Tim Burton, yes. Like in someone who's about spirituality and death, and also the gothic stuff. It seems like he he was brought up in the same household. Sometimes, yeah, they were just made for. So each other. does everyone in Tim Burton's orbit, though, right? In his orbit, yes, yes, yes. Holland and Bottom Carter. It's like she was born to be in a Tim Burton movie. And same with uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp too. A little less so, but yes, yeah, same thing. Like Holland and Bottom Carter, like is literally the female Tim Burton. Well, like everything she's in. Yes. Even even in the King's Speech, she sneaks. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, no. Fight Club is a perfect example. Yes. Oh of this God, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. She's in a Tim Burton movie. Everyone else is in a David Fincher movie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. It's very strange. <laughs> I'm fine with that character being in there in that way. <laughs> I think she's the worst part of Fight Club. Oh, I disagree. I love. I love. Who's the worst part of Fight Club? Who? It's not many bad parts of Fight Club. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you want me to say? Fair enough. Was the worst part of Fight Club? David Fincher's the worst. Big Fish. <laughs> Big Fish. That's a sentence. David Fincher's the worst part of Fight Club. Meatloaf, maybe? No. No. no of course not. <laughs> Bitch tits. I want to answer this question. <laughs> What's the worst part? What would you trim out of Fight Club if you could? 
who would I trim out of Fight Club? Well, Brad Pitt sucks in that movie. He's not good. Um, but aside from that, Brad Pitt. <laughs> That's a great movie. Yeah, I can't, I can't find anything. Jared Leto, but I love that he gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> now, Jared Leto's fine. Yeah, in that. he's fine in that. So. Yeah. Uh, Big Fish, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Uh, wh- so, what's up? Talk to me. Big Fish. No, I, I about a fish. Yeah, I've, 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 I've seen this movie a couple times, but I rewatched it anyway because it always kind of escapes me. A I little, saw it once, a little bit. Really? Okay, many years ago. My mom really likes this movie. She she has it on every once in a while. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's very very timber, and it's, it feels like it's out of a picture book half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do deeply appreciate the sentiment of how important storytelling is, just just to life in general, not necessarily legacy, even though that's a big part of this, but just how important it is to tell these stories in order for people to just be happy. Yes. And I, I, just, I think I just appreciate it on that very, very simple level alone. Because I mean, every you, know, you and I especially kind of understand that like, quite wholeheartedly. Yeah, we spent a lot of our lives thinking about storytelling. Absolutely, yes, yeah, so, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And even though I don't necessarily like people like the dad and Big Fish, mm-hmm. um, he's a good, he's a better version. I've met many people like him who are just I know so many the, the worst kind of people, yeah. like like Frank Dukes, for example. Yes. So. <laughs> Listen to our Bloodsport podcast <laughs> for more on that. Like that's the bad end of the spectrum. And even though people like this can get annoying, there's just sort of an inherent charm to them. Yes. And just like the inherent charm of storytelling in general. It's like, you know, I know it's not real, but I love that transportation. Like well, I said, it's that so. line that Billy Crudup says at the end yeah. when his son is asking him, so grandpa really knew a 15 foot tall man? You know what? And he goes, pretty much. And yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's the point. Like, not every story is meant to be an accurate, like, journalistic exercise. Like, yeah. sometimes the spirit of the story is enough. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly what childhood is, right? Like, yeah. as a child, you understand things not in the details, but in the broad strokes. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, maybe, like, uh, it's important to have a strong foundation in life, and I can tell you all the reasons why, or I can just tell you about the three little pigs. Right. That's and true, then, though. And then yeah. I just understand implicitly like it's it's born into me like this sort of this this idea of building a strong foundation um, or, you know, not eating too much. Like that's the nature of fairy tales. And one of the things I love about this movie is and I really picked up on this the second time. It is um, how everything is really told from that childlike lens. And that is a uniquely Tim Burton thing. And I think why, like, he's the perfect director for something like this. Like, do you remember as a kid, like, your parents would tell you a story and you would, like, take the details of that story literally? Like, I have this this memory of my grandfather. I was maybe, like, four or five years old. My grandfather, very similar to Albert Finney in this movie. Very similar. And he said as a metaphor one time, when you go to Rhode Island... The waves are huge. They're as big as the state. The waves are as big as the state. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, how is that possible? <laughs> how does like, how do buildings not get knocked over every couple days when a wave as big as the state? That has so many underlying meanings to it, though. Yeah. It could be just like, it's, it, I mean, it's obviously expressing how small the state is. Yes. But it could also just be expressed if you wanted to go there. I'm not sure it's entirely true. Right. But the waves and the water are just as important as the state. Okay, right. No, exactly. No, but, <laughs> but all of I'm that saying. metaphor is built into that sentence. Yeah. But as a kid, you just take it literally. Yeah. You just think like, oh, wow, those are damn big waves. I remember going to Rhode Island being like, 
these aren't as big as the state. Well, <laughs> well, that, you know? there's there's truth to that too, in the sense like like I always think of Santa Claus because uh-huh. my parents, you know, they they tell you about Santa Claus all the time, and you believe in it, and you get older, and your parents either. Uh, tell you about it and that he's not real and that's fine or you just realize it all on your own I just realized it all on my own my parents have still to this day have not come to me and said Santa Claus is not real yes which I'm happy about <laughs> in a way I guess my parents didn't either yeah I guess for all I know he might still be real but <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck knows no one ever confirmed it for me <laughs> but you sort of and just realizing it I, I was never, like, terribly upset about it. I just realized the importance of that figure in the spirit of Christmas. Okay, you understood that implicitly? Yeah, just, just how it goes along with just, like, the, the, the loving, fun nature and yeah. the gi- gift-giving that goes along with it. I think you're right. I don't think, as a kid, I was ever angry about them lying to me about Santa Claus. I was no. never bitter about it. No. Like, I just sort of understood right away, like, oh, yeah, this is just something you tell kids, and now I'm old enough to be able to tell other kids. It still made it real to me, just in a different way oh right and that and that's sort of why i started to appreciate that and i get a part of the reason why maybe maybe it goes back to that where it's like storytelling has that sort of tangible effect even if it's not necessarily literal right you know and you see that in this movie how deeply affected that everybody is by this guy's life just because of his stories it, it's funny though like i i think about some of the scenes in the like for example the, the one that stands out to me is when you and mcgregor leaves town mm-hmm. and they talk about the two roads yeah. one that's taken and one that's abandoned like the ghost road and like if you tell that to an adult you understand implicitly sort of what that means like one is just like a road that hasn't been fixed in a while like the construction just hasn't paved over it in a long time so there's a lot of potholes and like there's no street lights mm-hmm. and then the other one is like the freeway that everybody takes out of town yep you understand that as an adult, but when you hear that as a kid, it's like, oh yeah, one is like through the woods and there are massive spiders that are blocking your way and you can only get there by foot. Yep. You know, And so I loved that little detail of you hear that there's a giant and the giant's probably seven feet tall, but as a kid, you imagine him as like the Jack and the Beanstalk giant. Being honest, if I saw a seven foot tall man, I would freak the fuck out. Yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> but, st- I, but I mean, at least you know that there are men that are seven feet tall. There yeah. are not men that are 15 feet no. tall. No, 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 no. But I just love that little detail of the story. You get the broad strokes. It's pretty much true. It's pretty much the spirit, the essence of the story is true. And that's basically what the whole movie is about. Saying that all, that's what I'm saying is like yeah. the only thing that matters is the spirit and essence. And it's very, very important not to lose that. Cause even when, one of the things I love so much about it is that like you're just being, just observing it. Like Billy Crudup's character is very successful. Yes. And it's very obvious that like the dad did a very good job at bringing this guy up, even though Billy Crudup in his later years, for some reason is a little disenfranchised by it he's not a terrible dad no i mean he's, I he's so good to jessica lang his wife yeah uh he the only fight they get into is because he makes up stories that's it yeah so does my grandfather every fucking day but it's important just for life not to lose that stuff i mean i i think about like loss of innocence with like kids today and how we just know everything you yes. go online you know everything you could possibly need to know ever mm. and i guess discovery <laughs> it right. is, is sort of like the big point of what this movie's getting across. Mm-hmm. You need that spirit to fuel later discovery, and it just makes you a better person because of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the movie was really touching for me just on that level and how I connected to it because you and I, 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 at least in my experience, we were 
to me felt like the last generation to have some discovery. I'm sure every generation feels that way, but I don't know. Yes. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm it, sure in 20 years, the, the generation of kids that grew up with TikTok are going to feel the same way. Yeah. yeah. You know, when the next innovation comes out. Yeah. But no, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I do think that there was stuff that was unknown that you actually had to track down. And, it, you know, it wasn't available. Stories used to have much more meaning. That's like, what I'm saying. Tradition used to have much more meaning. Yeah. Like, I, I was talking about this with my brother the other day and, you know, how, uh, you know, pretty soon we're going to have computer chips in our brains and, you know. It's over, essentially, how there is really no value to memory anymore. Knowledge and memory are really meaningless when you have a phone that's attached to you at the hip. Yeah. You can look up anything at any time. That's why so many people are stupid. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that. But no, but it's a skill that yeah. I like always felt was very important. It was or at least it was something that I valued because like my father and other like very important figures in my life growing up had just a wealth of useless information i'm i love that though yeah again but that leads to more stories and even if you don't realize it you might learn something from that thing that you otherwise would have just looked away it's from. fueled my entire existence yeah. that's ever that's like you know being able to give you every best picture winner since 1970 being able to give you every fucking super bowl winner yeah. since 1980 like you know this this is my life essentially yeah. and uh you know this idea that there's no value to that skill anymore except for, I guess, I don't know, Jeopardy contestants <laughs> is insane. Yeah. It's insane to me that that's going away, that that idea of like oral tradition, you know, uh, stories that are passed down and, and uh, you know, as you said, discovery is sort of going away is a had, horrible thing. Well, I, I was uh, um, the other day I was over at uh, um, Abby's sister's grad party and her cousins were there and I was talking to her, 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 uh, one of who, who was it? I was talking to her, her cousin Andrew, and then his little brother. Okay, and um, he's thirteen years old. Uh-huh. And we ha- it, we ended up having a tirade about politics, and it bothered me. Uh huh. That was, he cared. I was like, "What, dude? Right? No, get th- yes. Forget about. That. I know. Like, don't even think about. I it. know. Show me your baseball cards. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Your, like, where, what happened to Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> I know. No, hundred <laughs> percent right. Kind of shit. Yeah. Exactly. Can we just play wiffle ball? Yes. Like, what? Let's. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That innocence is sort of. Well, this is depressing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. I, listen, Big Fish is not a perfect movie. No. Um, no. 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 But. I kind of think of it in the same vein as Forrest Gump, just sort of as like a sort of hokey. It's not as good as Forrest epic, Gump. Epic, yeah. But it isn't. Uh, but it's about a guy's life story. It's very sweeping in scope. And it's effective, though. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I, I recognize some of the flaws. And again, like you said, some of the, the strange hokiness. And some of it even goes like way too far. I mean, I, I understand that's sort of par for the course for any Tim Burton film. But yeah. like, even here, it's like. The Danny DeVito werewolf is too much. It's just too much. <laughs> I never need to see a Danny DeVito ass. I've seen Danny DeVito's ass several times. Have you ever seen? I did, you've seen the uh, uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" yes. clip. Yeah, where he does like the uh, the the Ace Ventura two, the is, birthing. That's one of the worst, best things I've ever seen in my entire incredible life, stuff. <laughs> Makes me very happy. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Danny DeVito's ass. It doesn't bother me at this point. No, I'm used to yeah. it now. It's like an old friend. At the like same the time, back of my hand. I, I'm used to it. Like I'm not disgusted by it like I used to be, but I'm always surprised by it mm. in a way. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's like, oh, someone lets you take your clothes off. Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, that, that part's a little too much, but like <laughs> Steve Buscemi's fun in this. 
when he robs oh, the bank. That, that stuff's is good. the best shit. I love it when he's like, I'm writing a poem. And it says like, roses are red, violets are blue. I like my town or something. Yeah, right, right, right. It's only three lines. <laughs> this is why you never show anybody a work in progress. <laughs> I'll tell you what too. You and McGregor's accent's pretty good in this. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. He's not bad at that. You know what I watched the other night with Abby? What? A terrible idea. What? Give a guess. Uh, with you and McGregor in it? Terrible idea. Dr. Sleep? That's a good movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, Revenge of the Sith. No. The movie I watched is a good movie too, but it's not one you want to watch on a date. The Train Spotting? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. The I, baby. <laughs> she was miserable. You watched Train Spotting with your girlfriend? It wasn't my idea. My brother wanted to watch it and we were just sitting there and we were down in our basement and he's like, I want to watch it. And he's like, I'm, I'm watching it, Adam. It's like, okay. And I te- kept telling Abby like, you're not going to like this. <laughs> She's like, I want to watch it because Abby needs, needs to see for herself. I'm like the dirtiest toilet in London. I'm like, Abby. I'm like, babe, you're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. She's like, no, I'm going to watch it. And then we get to the dirtiest toy in Scotland, Scotland. Yeah. And, uh, she almost throws up in her mouth. Yeah. And that's not even the worst of it. It no. gets worse. It does. Yeah. The baby's much worse. <laughs> the baby's so bad. Yeah. That was an experience. How did they make a train spotting too? I actually still like, we saw it together. Didn't we? I like train spotting too. I'm not really into it. I just feel like that movie, there's no need for a sequel. I, well, that's, if you can get past that, then it's, it's quite enjoyable in my opinion. Right. The only thing I don't like about it is spud writing the book at the end. Uh-huh. I don't need that. I love me some spud though. Me too. Raging spud. Spud is in first cow. He is. Yeah. How is he in first cow? Not the character of spud. No, I, the actor. actor. What is he doing in it? He's just a guy. I don't know. Just a Scottish guy. Oh, did they do like recreations? What are you talking about? I thought it was a documentary. First Cow? That's what it seemed like. Yeah. I thought you said it was a documentary. What are you talking about? First Cow. I thought I heard you say it was a... First Cow? Yeah, that's what I heard. No? Okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Was my... Prior review unclear? Yes. I never said the word documentary. <laughs> I had heard documentary. Did somewhere. you not see the trailer for First Cow? No. Do you know what? You didn't know what First Cow is, apparently. I had heard the name. I just hadn't seen any of the trailers. No, no, no. <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> Were you listening to my review of First Cow? Yes. I talked about the great ending and how the plot didn't get going until an hour 15. Yeah, but you've talked about documentaries in the exact same format. You know, it doesn't, Why did you think it was a documentary? Because I had heard somewhere it seemed like it was a documentary. Kelly Reichert is a is a director that makes narrative never, features. Never heard of Kelly Reichert. <laughs> it's about fur trappers in the 1920s. Fine, you could still do that if you trace stuff back. <laughs> they did that with uh, Sugar Man, I guess. <laughs> Why did you think it was a documentary? It literally takes place in the 1820s. No, you could do like 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 discussing like old documents and shit like that. I don't know. Like just <laughs> I mean, I see plenty of first do- cows. The one we're talking about now. Yes, <laughs> I see plenty of documentaries that you know discuss like old history and whatnot. I thought it was like people talking to the camera, like this is how this happened, and they're just retelling the story that you may never have heard of. I am I am at a loss right now. <laughs> I don't understand how you could have heard my review and thought that was a documentary. Well, it's about like a friendship in the 1820s. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it still still makes some sense to me. 
am blown away you thought that was a documentary. You definitely saw the trailer for this movie. No, I... Do you recognize the poster? Uh, no. Dude, you gotta... You gotta get on film Twitter, dude. No, I... I, I, was... I compared it to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's fine. Again, still not enough. What? The... You could compare Sicario to... Uh, I uh, never car- said car- it was a documentary. To Cartel Land, you know? <laughs> Man, what are we talking about? Big fish? Big fish. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't get so hung up about it. It's I'm, okay. I'm blown away. <laughs> I'm blown away. It's like, who am I talking to? Sometimes I'm just talking at a brick wall. I listen. Clearly, I listen. I'm, you I'm didn't having, listen. No, I'm having a response to it. I listen. <laughs> what do you want to say about Big Fish? Anything else? We're done with Big Fish. We're we, done? We spent way too much time it's on it. It's a good now. movie. I like yes, Big Fish. Yes, I like Big Fish as well. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Old boy. Old boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, directed by, uh, now is it Chan Wook Park or Park Chan Wook? Well, that depends if you're like in uh, Korea or America. That's why, like, like uh, Jun Ho Bong used to be the way he was credited. Got it. Okay. That's different. So Park Chan Wook directed Old Boy because we're in America. We speak English. <laughs> speak American. <laughs> yep. Uh, it stars Choi Min Sik. Yu Ji Tai and Kang Hui Zhong. Yep. Okay. Uh, after being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, Ode Su is released only to find that he must find his capture in five days. Yep. Um, a loose retelling, reimagining of Oedipus Rex, kind of? I don't think that's good enough at all. No? Yeah. I, like, I understand. Is that what it's, they actually were going for? I think. I don't know. No. You don't feel that just, way? What, just because he fucks his daughter? Is Spoiler, that it? don't spoil them. It's not even his daughter in, in Oedipus. It's his mom. Yeah, I know, but it's an Oedipus thing. Oh, oh. Oedipin complex. Of That's some like the kind. big twist that I did just spoil. So Yeah, you kind of did. The whole movie sort of lies on yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I'm sure people haven't seen Old Boy, so we really uh, ruined it for everybody. Um, A little more popular than you think. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm actually surprised by how many people I've talked to that enjoy old boy and have seen it not just like uh uh like film fans of mine but like it's like they've because it was on netflix for a little while i remember and then every once in a while i would hear someone say like oh speak it you you like some some uh like foreign films i'm like of course i do it's like what's that movie that weird one that's really cool it's like a revenge thing and it's like the, with the hammer they the, always the, say with the, the hammer yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the in the squid and i was like yeah yeah, old yeah, boy? yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 old boy that right. one was really cool right i was like yeah yeah i love old boy oh yeah. okay cool I, i'm surprised you've seen it <laughs> right yeah, this movie rules, man. It's yes, a it it's a South Korean movie. It's it's uh, you know, sort of I think one of those movies along with Memories of Murder that put South Korean cinema on the map. It absolutely is. Right? I I from my opinion as of now, it could still be like one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic South Korean film. Yeah. It seems like like this is the one thing people cite nowadays. South it's, Korean cinema is kind of hot now though. I mean, you know. No, now think it about is. it. Yeah, the yeah. first ever best picture winner from a foreign country is But but as far as I I'm concerned, people were essentially blind to it before this movie. Yes. Yeah. And this movie pops in a way that most of them don't. Yes. Like, as much, even though I think Memories of Murder is better. Um, yeah, like like this thing certainly captured people's attention in a way that that one did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly with the uh, good old Quentin Tarantino. Yes. I think he's a big proponent of this film as well. Yeah. Big surprise. No, no, not at all. Not at all a surprise. Yeah, it, it does have that manga quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is based on a manga and 
you know, lately I've just been watching a lot of things based on mangas. Because it's popular, dude. <laughs> yeah. You gotta accept that. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. it. It has that manga quality of like uh, a ridiculous setup and ridiculous rules. Like the guy was in prison for 15 years yeah. and now you have to find me in five days. And it, you know, it just, it feels like an anime. Like it just feels like it's all set up and it, yeah. it, it, the plot never feels organic. You know what I mean? It kind of feels like the, the plot is being shoved down your throat. Well, and the, I don't think I'll ever get used to that. You know, plotty. It's it's super, it's very plotty. Super super duper. No, but it's plotty. plotty with very like like sort of uh, like silly premises. But they're very silly premises. Well, that comes along with the manga influence and the anime influence. You know, which yeah. Is, they're sort of under this umbrella. Right. Now, Itchy the Killer is another one, right? There's not a lot you can really do about that. You sort of just have to accept that that kind of voice and style because it is a style. It's certainly most evident here when they do like the flashback sequences of the villain and his sister like holding her over the bridge, mm-hmm. which is a great shot. Uh, the movie is super like like poppy in that way, I guess. You know, it's 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 jazzy in a way to me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if that's if everyone would agree with that, but it certainly feels that way. It definitely has that kind of allure. Like the movies, like like world and 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 just the feeling of being in this town that and this guy's just sort of walking about feels like a stranger, even though he really isn't. And it's sort of all a game for him. And just the discovery of that is so creepy. Yeah, I just think like a lot of those manga comics and also the movies that are based on them they are very obsessed with games and they're very obsessed yeah. with the rules of the of the universe it's kind of like uh you know david fincher can sort of get into this territory obviously he made the game but uh um like seven is sort of another example of like like these sort of gimmicky premises yeah that's true on, on the surface and underneath there there's a lot of great art but just like you hear it's a serial killer who kills based on the seven deadly sins it's like kind of a b-movie premise in a way yeah well the the whole conceit of this guy like like of the the, the main villain is actually quite simple mm-hmm. like when it when you break it down to what the ultimate reveal is as to why he's doing what he's doing it's like like you you would have thought it would have been some earth shattering stuff and in a way it is but at the same time it's kind of not there are some leaps of faith you have to take yeah you know, yeah, I agree. all the hypnotism stuff and the right place, right time stuff. It's it's not like something I wasn't used to, though. I, I can yes. imagine if you're if you're new to Korean cinema or just foreign cinema in general, especially Asian cinema, mm-hmm. uh, this would be a lot for you to handle. And it was when I first saw it. I saw it a couple of years ago, probably in college. I think this movie's so f- just cool. Yeah, it's just a cool, cool, interesting and, and windy revenge story. Yes. That is feels like it like like I hate to say it, but like the Christopher Nolan Asian version of a revenge story with how complicated, unnecessarily complicated it can be at times. Huh. In some ways. Uh I, I think it's much better than a lot of Christopher Nolan films. <laughs> but um yeah, uh it, it just like when I come down to like movies that I just find completely unforgettable and just imagery that sits with me forever, this is one of those m- movies. Absolutely, certainly, like fueled my my deeper love for th- this subsection of cinema. Yes, that's definitely true. It's like even because I agree, like the story is not really what I went to it for, and a lot of the stuff that ended up happening, it wasn't always the most like earth shattering to me. I feel like I said that already, but yes, uh, like just the filmmaking is so good. Uh, yeah, I mean, the scene so, in the hallway where he's fighting all those guys is obviously the iconic one. It's beautiful. Um, but there's so much great action in this. Mm-hmm. So much great action and so much great choreography. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it just works as a thriller. Yes. It's just a damn good thriller. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if you, you know, you sometimes have to take some leaps of faith 
on a plot level. Yeah. Um, for sure. Have you seen any other Chanwick Park movies? The Handmaiden is something he made a couple years ago that people I've been, like. I've been meaning to to see that. I've seen some by his contemporaries. I saw uh, Kim Ji Woon's uh, I Saw the Devil, which I love. Yeah, people love that movie. It's another revenge film starring the same lead actor, except he's the villain. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And that one, again, like is oddly, I mean, it's so violent. Mm-hmm. It's like it, in, violent in a way that like uh, Itchy the Killer isn't. Okay. It's not like ridiculous, silly violence. Oh, okay. It's visceral, it's, yeah. I mean, some of it is way over the top, but then a lot of it is just brutal and just horrible beyond belief. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, like the, that. that's another one that is unlike anything I've ever seen. Like one of the most viscerally gross experiences I've ever had. Right. It's hard to recommend, but it is it's like a masterpiece. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I need to dive deeper into this. I do think like one of the things I found endearing about old boy at first glance was how it takes its premise seriously. Yes. And it's like, if this dude were actually trapped in a prison for 15 years, he would try killing himself a couple times. Uh, he would have an insatiable lust for sex after he got out. In fact, he assaults the, the, the woman that we come to find it is, is his daughter spoiler, uh, that we already revealed. Uh, in the bathroom as soon as he gets out, just cause he has like this lust that he can't contain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's sort of, he's disturbed by just the, the, the look and feel of another human being. Yeah. You know, as soon as he comes into contact with someone, he doesn't know how to behave. It's the details, man. Yeah. It, it really does commit to this, this premise, you know, even though it's a bit silly on the surface, like there's no way you would actually lock a guy away for 15 years no. and then play a sadistic game with him because you're no. still harboring resentment 15 years later. That's yeah, a little ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just think just, you know, in its bones, man, it's just like a, it's a really well-made movie. That's all I care about, though. I yeah. don't care about like how stupid the premise might be on paper as long as it gets those details right. And my, my God, is this movie detailed? Yes. Like you said. Even just like when he, like that scene of him eating the squid, he doesn't care if it's fucking raw. He did that like four times, I guess. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He had to do it with an actual squid. It's nuts. Yeah. There's not many special effects in this movie. No. Yeah. But the fact that he's willing to just eat that, I don't fucking care. Just give me all of it. Right. I love that. I love. Bring me something that's living. (laughs) That's what he says. That's right. Bring me something that's alive. Oh my God. Yeah, this movie's awesome. The hammer, uh, the pulling of the teeth. Oh uh, yeah, the pulling of the teeth is terrible. Quite disturbing. Yeah, really, really, really good. Uh, man, I would love to check out Spike Lee's version at one of these days to see what that thing is like. I need to do it. Yeah, I've been so curious. <laughs> so I found this in my research. You know, who was originally supposed to direct that Spike Lee. Which one? Oh, the Spike Lee one. Yeah, I don't know. So this guy commissioned the script and was going to make it. And then he dropped out and Spike Lee took the script and made it his own. Okay. That man's name is Steven Spielberg. What? I don't know how that's possible. This is like the antithesis of Steven Spielberg. It's like him taking over AI for, for Kubrick. It's like, there's no way this was a Kubrick movie. There's no way Stanley Kubrick wrote this script. Apparently he did though. I know, but I still don't buy it. That (laughs) ending is just a little too rosy. (laughs) That is weird. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It is It is the antithesis of Steven Spielberg. I can't actually picture him conceivably doing a movie like this. And I guess, yeah, you never will. <laughs> so yes, there, so there I think go. for the better. Yeah. Had he made it, you know he would have just dumbed it down and boy ran it through the haze code a couple times. Like, seriously, if, how else is it going to go? I mean, it's, it would have to be far more fluffy than whatever the hell we ended up getting. Yeah, I don't think the twist is the same. No. 
it's another interesting thing about this movie is is the twist because a lot of movies end on you know the re- the regret of revenge, right? And this one ends on something so much bleaker even than yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like an a, an idea that I'd never even considered. You know, well, I I prefer not to consider it. I think I, <laughs> that particular scenario, what I would do in that situation. It's like it's so sh- all you have left is is this relationship, right? <laughs> and and is is it possible to live with that? It's right. Like, even under the, the the guise of the quote unquote hypnotism, like like in that are in questioning, like is that better or worse? The hypnotism, right? It's so to know or not to know. Yeah, it's so layered. Does and, it make it better not to know? And complicated. I don't even have an answer for you, but that's kind of the point. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> it makes you squirm. It does, <laughs> and it's also like that Im- ambiguous ambiguous ending of you know, did the hypnotist actually come and wipe his memory, or is he living with this? it's great it's great yeah i think this movie's uh fantastic it's the only one like despite like the flaws and quotes the leaps of faith uh, it's pretty damn close to a masterpiece i think it's fen- phenomenal I don't know about masterpiece it's a very uh, good movie uh, it's God. a very good movie certainly a great film all right uh lost in translation is last mm-hmm. it stars scarlett johansson bill murray and giovanni ribisi it won best original screenplay at the oscars right. that year also nominated for picture lead actor and director uh, Sofia Coppola, by the way, director. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Talked about this one in our English film class as well. Oh, okay. interesting. A faded movie star and a neglected young woman form an unlikely bond after crossing paths in Tokyo. Yeah. Okay. Gun to my head, this is the movie that I, I choose. I knew that. <laughs> gun, gun to my head. I just think like, again, it's a weak year. Um, it is uh, the the perfect blend of like significant iconic and good. It is, it is the perfect blend of those three. I think about that shot of Bill Murray on his bed. And I think about Scarlett Johansson in this. And it's like, this movie has staying power in the culture. And I also think it is the movie that I have the closest personal attachment. To. Yeah. Are you sure? Cause I don't know if it's that, strong in terms of the cultural connection to it it's a fantastic movie yes i love this movie um i'm not i'm i'm not really sure it's quite there at least with impact and and legacy i mean the 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 greatest impact about this film is that it kind of gave us scarlett johansson and it kind of gave us the new wave of bill murray which is arguably i I don't know if you're sure it's arguable i think it's just better than i agree the old one yeah uh so there's that old bill can't come to the phone night now because he's dead yeah and my, and my my favorite blending of a script that is both uh uh very clever and lively yet at the same time so quiet yeah and i think I, that's I, I, those are always the best scripts for me because they're a blending of both you know showy screenwriting but at the same time really really good filmmaking that's mm-hmm. present here um man uh yeah dude this movie yeah it rocks it's really good you do have to convey, it's a really hard emotion to convey loneliness. Yeah, exactly. Loneliness is tough. Like, and especially like, you know, that specific feeling of entering a city where you know, no one there. True. And, uh, you've traveled the world much more than I have. I've never left the country still. Um, but like, I do have that feeling when I get on a plane and I enter a city for the first time. And it's that feeling at the beginning of this movie, when Bill Murray is looking out of the cab and just taking everything in, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember I went to Phoenix last year and like I saw a cactus on the side of the road 
And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, this is what the world is like outside of the Northeast. And every time I enter a new city and I'm in the back of an Uber or something, or even when I'm driving through that city, my eyes just wander all over the place. And it's like, unlike any other feeling you can ever experience of just like the unknown, it's very overwhelming. Um, And even for a guy like Bill Murray, who's like a semi-famous actor and had a lot of success and a lot of fame and fortune, and I'm sure traveled the world a lot, you never lose that feeling of the unfamiliar, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very important to make it Bill Murray too. Yes. I think I think about this and it's like, well, why why wouldn't you just cast an unknown and, you know, have show him kind of lonely in the beginning and show him lonely at the end? You know, I, there's something a little more impactful by showing someone like Bill Murray, who we know is like the most beloved thing ever, and then place him in his own little wasteland world because you need something to compare it to in order to get a feeling of that loneliness. Mm-hmm. So when you compare that to our persona of who Bill Murray is placed in nothing, that loneliness really hits you much harder. Right. Because uh, he is uh, man. Is this a nuanced performance? He's unbelievable I think, in this movie. I think when I think of nuanced performances, I think of this movie. I think he's it. almost underlooked in this movie. He is. Yeah. Some, and I know like he got rave reviews in 2003 and was nominated for an Oscar and everything. And yeah. the, people remember this as the late period Bill Murray movie, I guess maybe Broken Flowers, the Jim Jarmusch movie. Oh, okay. um, but, you know, this is the dramatic Bill Murray turn, the heel turn. Yeah. Uh, he's still overlooked. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's unbelievable. The stuff that he does with his face in this movie. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. just like the emptiness. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to convey emptiness and hard to convey it in a compelling way. Mm-hmm. But that is the essence of Bill Murray. I think we were talking about this a week ago. Uh, who are we talking about? There was a dramatic actor or comedic actor that we talked about in a dramatic uh, setting. Shoot. Was uh, it, who, who was incapable of doing yeah, it? Yeah. Was it Jim Carrey? It was who? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, right. And I was talking about how Will Ferrell alone, just something about his essence is is just not inherently compelling. He has to go to, he has to turn up the dial to 11 in order to get there. Bill Murray, he's just inherently compelling. There's something about that face, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's funny. Like, it, it is that face. It's just the way he carries himself. Um it's also him next to Scarlett Johansson, of course. Yeah, of course. There's one thing that I say, like, I, I, I don't know what the best performance of this year actually is. It's tough to say. Um, I mean, I, I, it, it would have made me happier to see him get, like, an Oscar for this over Sean Penn. Um, I, do, I do admit, like, a lot of what makes him so compelling to watch is just seeing him come alive whenever he is with Scarlett Johansson in all those little interesting ways or when they're just alone in their hotel together. It's an amazing relationship. It just, really is. And just how similar they are. It's funny to say, like... This, see, you never would have thought that Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray could be so similar on, on camera together. Right. But yeah, they, they certainly are. Yeah, they are kind of kindred spirits in that way. It's yeah. very They both sort of have that like, um, that sort of like, uh, what's the word? Like rebellious or nefarious sort of energy to them. There's a, well, they're like punks. They've always been yeah. kind of punky to me. So. But even though Scarlett Johansson is like the most beautiful fucking woman that's ever walked the face of the planet, like you do sort of see her as a troublemaker. You forget that she was an eight-legged freaks. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. But she's she's a little bit of a troublemaker. And Bill Murray, oh. of course, is probably the most tr- famous troublemaker that's ever lived. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. They're troublemakers. But at the same time, you you love them and you sympathize with them. They're, they're the type of people you want to be with and you kind of want to 
uh, console, you know? Yeah. You don't want to see these people be this lonely. And you don't, you certainly don't want to see uh, Scarlett Johansson be with someone like uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. It's, Who's not like a horrible boyfriend, but he's just like not worthy of her. No, the entire, well, the, the movie is like, he's not there. I mean, that's the, the, the point. It's like, even when he's in the room with her, he's just kind of like, uh, in, in touch with everything else around right. him besides her. Oddly. He says, I love you on his way out the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's always focused on his own shit. But again, these are sort of subtle things to convey, like the idea of someone not being there, emptiness, loneliness, isolation, like, mm-hmm. you know, although they sound like pretty well-worn themes, like it's hard to convey in an, in a compelling way on screen. And Sofia Coppola does that here. I think this is by far and away her best movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not even close. Um, and yeah, it, it really does sort of hammer home this idea of like being young and like not knowing where you're supposed to go with your life. I can certainly relate to that. Um, but also that search for meaning, mm-hmm. that that search for value and for adventure and yeah. how Scarlett Johansson is in Japan <laughs> and yeah. she still doesn't feel that sense of adventure and no. she keeps chasing it. And I think part of the point is Bill Murray is like, hey, you're just you're not going to find that like just enjoy what you have because that lust for adventure in that and that um that uh that sort of that insatiable appetite for sex and love and you know you're just never going to find it mm-hmm. it's well, just going to keep it's going to keep bothering you but at the same time it takes her to bring that out of him yeah for him to kind of comes to terms with that himself where it's like yeah you know i've i've had this problems it's almost like don't be like me in a lot of ways yeah but at the same time they kind of fall in love so yeah but they they kind of fall in love but they don't really fall in love it's a it's very, it's a very unique relationship very quiet yeah you know that's the thing i love so much about it is that it's it's unlike any other re- relationship i've seen in a movie yeah where it, it is it i guess it is do they ever kiss they kiss at the end after the um after the whisper okay okay but it's still fairly platonic yes that's what's so interesting about it yeah man the sexual tension in this movie is incredible oh <laughs> my God. between bill murray and scarlett johansson exactly it is kind of a miracle of a movie yeah yeah it's an incredible movie yeah yeah, yeah it's really really good um yeah and when he ends up having spoiler alert sex with the lounge singer Mm. like how much that hurts you yeah I know. you know what i mean like had he cheated with scarlett johansson that's what it feels like the 20 something college student yeah. <laughs> like yeah that's that's for love man but yeah. all of a sudden he sleeps with someone his age and you're like how dare you cheat on your wife i know <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange yeah it's really strange yeah I, I love scarlett johansson yes and i love bill murray and scarlett johansson yes how can you not how can you not yeah uh, i will say will say um there have been i think pieces written about the portrayal of asian characters in this movie and women actually too and women okay well here's a perfect example bill murray's wife is a non-character like she is defined by just you know her carpet samples Mm -hmm. like that's uh, that's her entire role in the movie is bothering bill murray with (laughs) carpet samples yeah which is like she's just trying to make your office look nicer dude relax you have a loving wife and you have beautiful children and just like and as much money as you could possibly want Mm -hmm. but you know yeah i i think she's sort of given the short end of the stick but also the way that japan is just played for laughs around every turn sort of yeah uh the japanese television show that bill murray is a guest on I, i think they call him the japanese johnny carson uh the um the hooker that is sent to his house as a, or his hotel room as a prank who says, uh, 
lip my jean or lip my stocking and she's saying rip my stocking just that you know how they make fun of the l and r sounds like yep. that shit's pretty offensive and the fact that it's played for laughs that broadly i don't think is aged perfectly i will give the movie that or i will give the critics that i hate to say it though the movie feels so lived in that it almost feels accurate i mean it feels accurate to the characters right yeah uh have you ever seen a japanese commercial before yes Yes. If you're aware of anything Japanese culture is like in the amount of just excess in expression. Certainly. It's like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's all I really need is to be like, I, I can see it. I yeah. I can see it happening. Yeah. I get it. I, I mean, uh, well, this is, this is the thing. Like someone bringing this character onto a TV show and saying he's, what, what, uh, uh, Jesus, what did, what did you say he was? The Japanese jo- Johnny Carson. Japanese Johnny Carson. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. The fact that that could be a thing like that doesn't that's the furthest thing from unbelievable to me no okay fine i get that i just think like they okay making fun of somebody's accent is like i don't know is that great comedy that's just sort of lowest common denominator shit sure it's low-hanging fruit i'm sure they just making fun of the l and the r sounds of somebody's voice i don't know what's the uh uh but everyone makes fun of accents i just watched this show on netflix the other day with, with Abigail, and it was uh, about uh, Indian matchmaking. Okay. Uh, that's a show on Netflix? That's a show on Netflix. What's it called? Indian matchmaking. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that, yeah. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> I just. Wait a minute. Do you mean the production of lightable matches? Or do you mean Indian people that are looking for romantic relationships? Indian people that are looking for romantic relationships. Got it. There is a show called Indian Matchmaking made by Indian. Because I kind of want to watch Indian Matchmaking about manufacturers of Indian matches. <laughs> I guess I would. That's too. the first thing I thought of when you, I had a big fish moment. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I thought of when you said that. Oh, no. Yeah, that show get, has moments like that where they seem to, you know, make fun of each other in that way. I thought of Aziz Ansari talking about his mom. Yeah, but he. OK, and but how, that's. And uh, that's a little different, isn't it? Yeah. Well, when she says, like, the way English people sound is, uh, and he just re- rep- replies by saying, wash, 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 wash. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedians in cars getting coffee. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I get it. I don't know. There, There is still a, I don't know. It is what it There's is. There's not a single meaningful Japanese character in this movie, and it literally takes place in Japan. Yes, that's true. That's definitely true. So that's definitely something. But they have meaningful moments, like when they're in the club together in that little blue room. Yeah. That's a very important moment. Oh, the karaoke room. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That shit's good. Okay. Yeah. That's lost in translation. I think a remarkable movie. Very good. All right. um, Here was my idea because I thought this was a pretty weak ass year. (laughs) Okay. Is that we throw them away and we induct the room. No. That was my idea. No. Because I think the room is Definitely, like, more important to Hollywood history <laughs> than no, Big Fish. I, Do you know what I mean? It certainly has, like, a legacy. An incredible legacy. Important? It's got, like, a, it's a funny legacy. It is definitively the worst movie ever made. <laughs> that is the consensus on that film. That's a different podcast, though. We do a whole podcast about bad movies. You don't think we've, it is an, an entire subsection, an entire genre, man. You don't think we, we've we've praised the room enough. The room is the crown jewel of the bad movie genre. <laughs> but this is not about bad movies. I, 
It's about movie history, though. <laughs> and it certainly has a meaningful place in, in movie history. Why didn't we nominate it then? Well, I don't think we need to talk about it anymore, but I just think like as a statement for how terrible the early 2000s are. <laughs> Does it speak to the fact that we didn't nominate it? No. Early 2000s cinema is bad cinema. Could be the worst era in, in okay, all of film. Don't throw it all away, though. It's really bad. Don't throw it all away. I hate early 2000s I, I Well, too bad. I don't know what happened from 2000 to 2004. <laughs> I just don't get it. That's fine. But again, too far. Was there a single good movie that came out between 2000 and 2004? Sure. There's movies on this list. <laughs> And that's my point. Don't throw it all away. I don't like that at all. I don't like that one. The only movie that I feel like enthusiastic about here again is Lost in Translation. But that just feels like by default. Like, oh, it's like a really popular indie movie starring Bill Murray and like. And I feel pretty strong about Old Boy, you know? Old Boy, really? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Love Actually, we're throwing out. Fuck yeah, we're throwing it out. Big Fish, we're throwing out. Yes. Uh, Finding Nemo and Kill Bill. You could throw out Kill Bill if you want. I guess you could make an argument for Finding Nemo, I suppose. You could. You could. You could. Do you want to to find it? Yeah, we've all... Yeah. Yeah, I guess my my heart's with old boy, you know? How badly do you want Lost in Translation? I mean... Not badly, but I, I, I also don't, I think like old boy is a good movie and it, but it's, it's kind a, of a, you know, I, I, I it's a silly premise kind of, it's in that, but it's, it's not even the best South Korean movie that came out that year. No, no, but we've already dealt with that in a way. It does feel more iconic than lost in translation though. I hate I don't know. Really that shot of the two of them, I, I, even just the, the poster of old boy, I see ripped off more and referenced more in that hallway scene, you know, even <laughs> I'm not going to say the squid. The squid just makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, dude, seriously. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Do you think it's a better movie than Lost in Translation? A little bit. A little bit? Just a little bit. It's, it is closer than, than you would think, yeah. Okay. If we're not going to put the room in, <laughs> I kind of want to put the room in. I don't care if you want to put the room in. I'm not having this argument. All right. I don't, I don't feel that strongly towards any of these. Again, I think it's a really weak year. Okay, whatever. So I will give you old boy <laughs> this week, I suppose. <laughs> I would actually enjoy doing a Sofia Coppola pod at some point too, by the way, because I'm not well versed in her filmography whatsoever. I mean, she didn't make many movies, right? She's got enough, probably. Uh, you got Virgin Suicides. You got Marie Antoinette, right? Mm-hmm. Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Uh, something that just came out. Uh, I forgot what that was. Uh, the Bling Ring. The Bling Ring with oh yeah yeah that's right. Was that like period piece she came out with recently? What the hell was that called? Yeah, there was another. It was like set in L.A. It was an L.A. movie. Shoot. I don't remember. Well, The, the Beguiled is the other one. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what you're thinking of, yeah. The Beguiled. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. She was in The Outsiders. She was? I didn't know that. What? Oh, boy. Has there ever been? A, I mean, it's her and Tarantino in terms of like worst actors, but best directors. <laughs> the largest discrepancy between the two. She is much worse than Tarantino. She's a terrible actress. Much worse. Somewhere is a movie she made in 2010. Oh, okay. Somewhere. Okay. Apparently it's pretty good. And that's it. That's the end of the list. All right. All right. Maybe. Okay. Uh, fine. All right. I'll give it to you. But here's what I want. I would like a little more leeway over the next couple of weeks, because I feel like you've been getting a lot of these. <laughs> you, I gave you sound of music. 
Oh, but that I was, gave you old boy. Sound of Music, that's not totally fair. Though. We devoted a whole month to directors that you like, essentially. Did we? I gave you Bong Joon-ho. You wanted to do Bong. That wasn't my idea. I wanted to do Nicholas Winding Refn. I guess. That's eh, not totally fair. It's okay. If you want some leeway, what do you want? Give me... I, I just... I don't know. <laughs> you want... I just want to feel like I'm being heard in this relationship. <laughs> Because I feel like very unheard. Oh, is your voice not not getting out there? Yeah. Am, am I am I am I stifling you? Yeah, you're kind of censoring me. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't feel good about that. I'm happy I've been able to properly stifle you. Actually, no one's been able to do that in my entire life, and no one ever will. <laughs> I could take that deal. I might want something in return. All right. Well, you know, give me lost in translation. And I'll give you next week. How about that? I I, I want to have one in my pocket. Okay. I want in my pocket a year of my choosing whenever. Okay. It, it could be whenever I feel like it. If I'm that passionate about it, it doesn't matter. But from now until whenever the fuck I have a, an executive. Nope. That one's getting in, in my, in my bag. How's that? And you can have lost in translation for how long? Whenever, whenever I don't care. How about, Two months. No. Whenever I want. Whenever. Whenever I feel. Just the one. You know, we should both have that, though. We should both have one of those. Hmm. Just in case. Just in case? Yeah. Yeah. Just like break glass in case of emergency. Okay. I see. I'll give you two if you give me one. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Sweet. So Lost in Translation's getting in? Yeah, sure. Okay. There we go. Sweet. Congratulations. All right. <laughs> to Lost in Translation. <laughs> All right. Next week, we're doing this. I will not be using either of those next week, by the way. We're doing this. Have you seen any of these movies? I have. You have? I have. What did you watch? Badlands? No, I, I have seen Tree of Life and I have seen uh, The New World. Oh, I thought you were going to watch Badlands. Oh I, have, oh, I have not watched The New Ones yet. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're doing this. Uh, oh, yeah. We just spoiled a little bit in case you were listening carefully. <laughs> uh, if you don't know the theme by now, uh, I don't know what to tell you. This ain't the podcast for you. What do you want from us? We're just not going to tell them what director we're doing next week. No. <laughs> okay. So I think we have the five nominees. Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick. Yes. Terrence fucking Malick. Okay. The five movies. I mean, he's only made like seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, well, we, we can we can do this, right? Yeah, we can. It's Badlands. It's Days of Heaven. It's the Thin Red Line. It's Tree of Life. And it's the New World. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that takes us all the way up until 2011. Okay. That's- Every single one of his movies. That's okay. From 73 to 2011. That's okay. And I, uh, Tree of Life, uh, or is it Tree of Life 2011? Yes. It's close enough. <laughs> close yeah. enough. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Terrence Malick podcast next week. We have not talked a single Terrence Malick movie on this podcast. No. And I, yeah, I, I, I do in a way feel bad about that because I've seen those first two movies. Yes. You know, and I do have some strong feelings. Yeah, it's definitely a blind spot for us. um, And he's an important filmmaker and he's one that really defined a lot of the aesthetic of of movies that you love. True. So very true. We'll get into it. I also think he's like a fascinating 
just sort of Hollywood story of he oh, yeah. made movies in the 70s, went away for 20 years, and then did stuff that many consider to be his greatest work. I just think that's really interesting. Well, he himself is an interesting figure just privately. Yes. And how private he is. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Uh, anything else? No. I've done a lot of podcasting today. Yes, we have. Sorry. But we're done. We're it's done. about time. And now we don't have to worry for the rest of the week. Feels good. That's right. Until next time. You know what I'm doing beneath the table right now, Nico? What? Wiggling my big toe. <laughs>